As y'all can see, I'm not Craig. He, uh, the, him and the family had a special friend that was being baptized today, and uh, they wanted to try to be there. He was really battling and struggling with, with uh, being here on Father's Day and not being here on Father's Day, and, and yet he wanted to be there with, uh, with their friend Brooke for her baptism today. And so he kind of put me on the spot. He said, the only way I'll go this Sunday, if you will fill in for me. I guess he wanted an old dad and an old granddad to, be, to fill in this morning. So you can blame him this morning if, for what you're in store for. But, but anyway, he wanted to be there for that this morning. He missed being here on Father's Day. I said he really wanted to be here. But Well, our, our mission group got back safe and sound. Some of them are here this morning uh, with us, and so they, they, we're thankful for that, thankful for the blessing uh, that they were, I know, to, to, to Luke and Patty, and, and uh, we thank them for going and serving. They were gone for eight days. I can tell you my wife was one of them, so I can vouch you. It was eight days. <laughs> it just so happened our garden was coming in. My squash and my beans and all that was coming in, and she's not there. So I had to call the first night I left them. She didn't have her uh, overseas calling on her phone, so I had to call and ask them, have her call me back. I had some canning questions, and, uh, but she called me back. And I didn't know they were going to get in quite as early. She thought they were going to get in about like 12 or 1 or something. She looked at her schedule wrong or something. So I wasn't prepared for her, you know, her to come be back very, as early. Well, she still got like 8 o'clock. But all of a sudden, I'm sitting in there, and I hear the, somebody coming down the driveway boom, in the car, you know, boom, 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 boom. Then I see me. She pulls in. I said, oh, look out, and I see the top of the car. I said, oh, she's already here. And I get excited, you know, and I go to the door to welcome. She gets out in the car, and she's beelining right to the house, and and I, all of a sudden, you know, she's coming, and she says, where's the peanut butter? <laughs> I thought, you know, well, I was going to get them. But she hadn't had peanut butter for eight days. <laughs> so I realized that, that, you know, peanut butter's right here. <laughs> Children and grandchildren are right here. Probably the cat's about here, <laughs> and I'm somewhere down here. That's not exactly how it happened, but anyway, I thought I'd have to share that. My granddad, uh, he, would, uh, he would say, uh, let me tell you, this, I'm not in my comfort zone. I, I was telling him this morning, my comfort zone is at, at the stove or around a barbecue pit or telling uh, bad jokes, bubba jokes to the seniors. That's where my com- comfort zone is. But, but anyway, my grandfather used to say, when it, was, when, it was, when it was Father's Day and sometime on his birthday, he'd say, every dog has this day. Some of you old people have probably heard that, you know, every dog has. I don't know exactly what that was supposed to mean, but, uh, but I guess everybody sooner or later has a day that people recognize them on. But that's kind of what he would say about Father's Day. But I wrote down a, a couple of statements that were made by some folks. One uh, statement, go ahead if you would, would turn to Deuteronomy 6 verses 5 through 9. If you want to go ahead and be doing that. Also we're going to look at Ephesians 5 also 22 to 26. If you want to be doing that. Charles Kettering said, every father should remember one day his son will follow his example and not his advice. Jer- David Jeremiah said, a girl's father is the first man in her life and probably the most influential in her life. 
Charles Wadworth said, by the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks him wrong. A lot of truth in, the, in, in those statements. This morning, I want us to take a few moments to reflect on some of the basics that we see in Scripture concerning dads as a spiritual leaders in family. And God's Word certainly calls men to be the spiritual leaders in their family. I want to share a story with you this morning. One of the most powerful stories in the history of the Olympic Games involved a canoeing specialist named Bill Havens. He was given to win a gold medal in 1924 at the Olympic Games in Paris. But a few months before the Games were held, he learned that his wife would likely give birth to their first child while he was away. She told him she'd be fine, he could go ahead, but this was something that Bill just didn't want to miss. It was too important. So he surprised everyone and he stayed home. Bill greeted his infant son, Frank, into the world on August 1st, 1924. Though he always wondered what might have been, he said as a father, he never regretted his decision. He poured his life into his little boy. He shared with his little boy the love that he had for the rapids. 24 years passed and the Olympic Games were held in Helsinki, Finland. This time, Frank Hevers was chosen, his son was chosen to complete, compete in the canoeing event. The day after the competition, Bill received a telegram from his son that read, Dear Dad, thanks for waiting around for me to be born in 1924. I'm coming home with the gold medal that you should have won. It was signed, Your Loving Son, Frank. Of course, many people questioned Bill's decision to miss the big opportunity in Paris, but he never wavered. He wanted his family to know that they always came first, no matter what. And that made him a hero to his little boy named Frank. Our scripture, if you got there, I want to share with you. We'll read those this morning. Would you stand as we read? Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down. And when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And then if you would turn over to Ephesians 5. 22 through 26. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, and by washing of the water with the word. Let us pray. Well, we pray this morning that you would give us understanding of your words. God, that as we hear the words that are shared in Scripture this morning, Lord, they would be applied to our lives in ways that we would please you and we would honor you as dads as granddads, even some as great-granddads this morning. 
Lord, you certainly have challenged us through your word to be men of, of godly values, men that desire to serve you and to honor you and to lead our families. Speak to us through your word today, through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. How are your basics is my question this morning. And as we think about men, dads, granddads this morning, I got a question that says, what is the cost of missing, of the missing of real men in our culture today? Statistics say about 33% of the children are living in homes without biological fathers. But we certainly know there are many single homes led by ladies that do a great job of raising their children. But it's no, no, no doubt that the damaging effects that not having a father in the home presents. The list of these problems that it causes are long and they're serious. But this morning, I don't want us to look so much at, at that situation. What I want us to think about this morning is about missing fathers is that it's fathers that are in the home, but missing the spiritual impact that God desires. As I was reading some material for sharing this morning, I ran across a statement in a book, and it's kind of what turned me to want to share in this direction this morning. I ran across this statement speaking of real men, speaking of godly men, that got my attention. Listen to this statement. It says, if a man-eating lion who had an appetite for real godly men would show up at many churches today, it would die of starvation. That's a pretty in-your-face statement. And it got, got me thinking about what I want to share this morning. I guess what I want to say this morning is that God wants real men, men that are leading the families in ways that honors Christ, not living, and living out godly values. And their priority is teaching and sharing those values, those godly values with their families. I know last week Craig talked a, a good bit about the role of parents last week. And I mentioned, and of course, we knew we'd be talking kind of in the same general dire direction this morning. I'd be talking about families and about, but I'm, what I'm trying to share this morning is, is mostly concerned with the role of fathers and what God has called us as fathers to be, as grandfathers. So I'll just ask you not to tune me out this morning if you're not a dad or a granddad or, or a great-granddad, but I think there's some things in here that would be profitable for all of us. There was a famous football coach named Vince Lombardi. Some of you older folks probably heard about him. Some of you younger ones probably not. But he was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers during the 1960s. He led his team to five total NFL championships in seven years which including the first two Super Bowls in 66 and 67. But every year, Vince would go back when he started his training camp. He would go back to the basics, even to the point that he would hold up a football and he'd say, this is a football. Now, that's going about, back about as basic as you could get. He understood that the basics were important and that it seemed to work in his, in his career. He was a winning coach, practicing and, and participating and, and making sure that he did the basic things. This morning, that's what I want us to kind of think about a little bit as I share not all the basics of being a spiritual dad, but maybe a few of them and, that we can think about this morning and how to lead our family spiritually. First things first, 
Jesus said that loving God with all yourself is the first and greatest commandment when asked. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven and 38 says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and, this is the great and first commandment. Jesus was referring to Deuteronomy 6, 5 to show that a person's total being must be involved in loving God. Nothing must be held, at, held back from God when it comes to loving him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. We certainly have his love that he poured out to us when he sent his only begotten son who died for you and me, that we might have life and that we might have life abundantly. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The word agape tells us that this kind of love is a total unselfish love, a love of which we're not capable of without the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. This is the same kind of love that Jesus loves us with. The heart is the center of desires and affections. The soul is a person's being of who we are. The mind is the center of a person's intellect. To love God in this way is to fill completely the commandments regarding our personal relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior. A dad must be one of the, could be one of the most gifted persons there is. But you see, there's nothing that he can do of value unless he first loves the Heavenly Father. All our abilities, all our gifts, all our commitments, even our works, do not qualify us as a man before God or make us acceptable to God. The one great thing that, it, that in fact, it, and the only thing that makes a man a real man is, it, is an acceptable man and qualifies him is to serve the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his mind. We normally end a sermon with an invitation to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But as I thought about this this morning, you see, if you're going to be the Father that God desires, you must love your Heavenly Father with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He must be our Lord and Savior. First things first, John 1, 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, fathers, not only should you be secure in your faith, but you ought to be growing in a personal relationship with your Heavenly Father. Galatians 2, 6 and 7 reminds us of this. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. First things first, to be the father that God desires, it must be, uh, you must have a growing personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior. I think we could say that's about as basic as it gets for a parent or father to be a part of a building a godly home. It must start with his salvation and that growing relationship he has with Christ Jesus. First things first. Second point I want to share with you this morning, uh, this, not this morning, this afternoon almost, loving your wife. In reading our scripture earlier in Ephesians 5, we certainly see the importance of submission. You might ask this morning, what is submission got to do with me being a godly father? Submission in the church should follow from submission in the home. Our home is to be a solid foundation of our relationship and our personal growth. The home must be an example of peaceful submission. In a marriage relationship, as our scriptures share, that there is submission between the husband and the wife and submission for the husband, for the, for the Heavenly Father. The relationships between husband and wife should be a picture of church relationships. 
Paul spoke first to the wives, explaining that they were to submit voluntarily to their husbands as they would to the Lord, meaning as is fitting to the Lord. We know that submission is often a touchy subject in our world today when the world tries to look at Christians. And when we talk about submission as Christians, we get a sideways look from the, from the world around us when we talk about that. We're, not, we're to be careful not to base our submission on either feminist or chauvinistic views as the world would. Our Christian marriage are to involve mutual submission. We should be willing to give up our personal wants, our personal desires for our loved ones and submitting ourselves to Christ as Lord. You see, I believe as we see here in Scripture is that when a husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church, I think submission it won't be a problem in a marriage. When a, when a husband loves his, uh, his wife as Christ loved the church, husbands then should be ready to make whatever sacrifices are necessary for their wives. Our marriages is a holy union, a symbol, a living symbol, a precious relationship that needs to be self-sacrificing. Men, the command is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. This must be the very foundation of a godly marriage and the call of the spiritual leader in the home. As I close this point, I want us to think about the perfect example we find in these scriptures in Ephesians 5 that Jesus gave us about loving his church and, and as the example of husbands loving their wives. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says he, he loved the church. He gave himself for her. He sanctified her. He cleansed her in verse 26 and he presented her in 27. Verse 29 it says and he provides and cares for the church. Again, I say when a husband loves their wives, if Christ loved the church, you're willing, you are fulfilling God's desire and God's spiritual leadership as God calls you to be. Our next point I want to look at this, this afternoon or this morning. I can't figure it out if it's an afternoon or morning. It's still morning, isn't it? I feel like it's afternoon. <laughs> being intentional. Being intentional in teaching God's word and purposes must be a part of who we are as fathers if we are to be the spiritual leaders in our families. I want us to read Deuteronomy 6 through 9 again. This 6 through 9, it says, And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as fontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. These scriptures clearly show us the importance of teaching the word of God to our families. It has to be and must be a primary part of our lives if our children are to see the importance of God's word. That is, the word of God is to be in me and changing me as a father. Dad, if you expect your life to be a spiritual impact on your children, then you must be transformed by the very word of God. God's word must be making a difference in how you lead your family. As seen in these verses, the importance and the influence of the God's word, God should never be, God's word should never be underestimated. If we expect to raise godly children, we first must be godly parents sharing godly values. There's a psalm that we had in a study a while back in our grandparenting class, Psalm 78, and it really had some bearing and some thinking as I thought about sharing this morning. It, it was a, it's a psalm. It's really a parable. It's a story. And it's a warning. And the warning is that 
the first eight verses in that, in, that, in that psalm talks about how this generation or our generation or that generation at the time should be sharing godly values, should be allowing the children that were coming behind them, the, the next generation, to see God working in their hearts and in their lives, changing their lives and what he had done for them in the past. Those first eight verses really hit on those issues. And then from then on to the end of the chapter, it's one of the longest, longest psalms, in, uh, historical psalms in, 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 the, in the Bible. But from then on, it talks about the disaster that come upon the Israelite people because the first, their generation, the generation before them, did not teach them the values of God, did not show them the ways God had led them and were leading them. And so what happened is they made the same mistakes over and over again. Well, it's a great, a great psalm. I encourage you to look over that psalm and think about what it says. I wrote down a couple of verses here from that 78. Verse 3 says, Things that we have heard and known that our Father has told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell them the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. It's so important. God reminds us over and over the importance and the power of leading our families in truth. In Deuteronomy 6, 7, we have the word diligent. Diligent means to wept or to sharpen. It carries the idea of, of stabbing or penetrating another object. In other words, our training and our teaching to our families is to penetrate deeply into the hearts and the lives of, the children, of our children. The truth is today that we're in a spiritual war. There's a spiritual war going on for the hearts and minds of families. It's obvious. We don't have to look around very far, do we? And in fact, I know some, some maybe even today understanding that there's spiritual battles that are going on in their families. It's happening today. It's going on. So we can't overestimate the need for families to be teaching and sharing and living out the values of God. The Word of God must be a foundation of a family. Scripture teaches us about our sin nature that we're all born with. We know, unfortunately, this sin nature will destroy if left unchecked. A wise father will want to make sure their children will have the benefit of hearing the truth of God's word from the very beginning. Fathers, as spiritual leaders of your family, your role not only consists of protecting your children from evil, but it also involves teaching them in righteousness. As I said, I led an equipping study about grandparenting and there was two words that they used throughout that study that kept ringing in my mind and thoughts as I was going through it. Last week, uh, Craig touched on one of those and it was intentional. The other word that was in that study that encouraged us to think about as grandparents and as parents is heritage. These are two words that we as men and dads and fathers need to consider the value of these words in other words, I've lost my place. These words are to be intentional. These words were intentional in heritage. Uh, and they are to be a part of who we are. As a spiritual leadership of our families, we must be intentional. There's no single undertaking that will ever come close to that of assisting in the salvation of our children. This must be intentional. It must be a part of who we are as dads. It's also never too early or never too late to begin to, to leave a godly heritage to your children, to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren. Teaching is experiencing the truth personally and living out that truth before our children. 
It's also applying this truth to one's heart. As our children see it real, that's real, that it's real in our hearts, as they see us living it out in daily in our lives, it will touch them. It will have an effect on their hearts and on their lives when they see it's real in our lives. Can you think of anything in this entire world any more important for your children than to place their faith in Jesus Christ and to be a part of God's wonderful plan and purposes for their lives? You see, the beginning or the continuing of a spiritual heritage is crucial in the lives of our families. I had the awesome blessing and the awesome privilege God gave me to be able to baptize all five of my grandkids. That was a blessing. That was answered to prayers I shared this morning. Uh, there was a group of them sitting up there this morning. I didn't even know they were coming, and I was scared to look up there. To, <laughs> Because I'm a very emotional guy. If I looked at their faces, I'd have lost it. And I just about lost it this morning anyway. But God gave me that privilege. And it's, it's an awesome privilege. And, and I want to emphasize here in these moments that uh, prayer is so vital. A part of our lives as Christians. Most of all, I'm preaching to the, to, to the choir, I know in a lot of ways. But prayer is so vital. And I saw God working out through those prayers that... Me and my wife would pray for our kids, pray for their salvation, pray over them, pray with them. And we saw God work and we saw God move. We have a God of grace, fellas. He is a God of grace. And as I shared one time with Craig a number of years ago, and he's, he's not letting me thought about what I shared when he asked me about raising my boys. I said... The only thing I can tell you is that we had a God who was gracious and he filled in the cracks so many times when I came up so short of being the dad that I needed to be. He filled in those cracks. When I was trying to seek him and trying to trust him and I didn't know what I was doing, he was coming along and filling in the cracks. And that's emotional to me now because that's, he is a God of grace. And I can tell you this morning, fellas, he is, there's nobody pulling for you any stronger than our Savior Jesus Christ, that you be a successful spiritual leader in your family. God is on your side, and he's really ready and willing to fill in the cracks of your heart and in, in your life as you try to raise your children. And, you, and, and I want to emphasize, too, it's never too early and it's never too late. You may be a great granddad here this morning. It's not too late to begin to leave a, a godly heritage for your children to come. I think I can say with all assurance, there's not a man here this morning that would be unwilling to die for his children. I think there's not a single one of you here this morning, fellas, that wouldn't lay down your life for your kids. I believe that to be true this morning. But how much more important is it to live for them by being the spiritual leader of your home? How much more important is it to be that spiritual leader? How that affects and, and, and for a life eternally, eternally, when we are fathers. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want to say this morning, you know, I don't want to overwhelm you and say you've got to be a theologian to, to be the spiritual leader. You need to want to understand God's word. You want to, know, want to grow in God's word. You want it to change you inside and you want to, your, your children to understand that, you know, but God has called you to be a spiritual leader. And they'll see your heart through the, through, the, through the process. 
They'll see you. He'll be filling in those spiritual cracks in your life. Here a few weeks ago, there was a story. Most of you have probably heard this story about those four children that were in a plane crash in Bogota, Colombia. Four children, they lost their parents, uh, their parent and the pilot, and everybody was killed except those four kids. I think they were 13, 9, 4, and 11 years old. They were in the jungle for 40 days, and they survived. And when they questioned them about how they survived, it was because their grandparents had prepared them for circumstances that might come their way one day. They may be lost. They, knew, they taught them how, what kind of fruit they could eat. I think they taught them how to build a makeshift shelter. They had prepared those children for what might come in their path someday. The question I thought about when I thought about that, men, are you preparing your family for the spiritual challenges ahead? It's not if they're coming. They're already here. Their spiritual challenges are coming upon your family and in your family, or even some of you dealing with today, I'm sure. We, we all have struggles going on in some areas of our family. And the question is, how are we preparing our kids and the next generation how are we preparing them to be able to face those challenges in the days ahead? I ran across a poem come out of one of James Dobson's books. If you know James Dobson, Dr. James Dobson, he's a tremendous guy who's been dealing with children and the ministries of children for years and years. But I found this poem, and, and I want to share it with you this morning. I may never be as clever as my neighbor down the street. I may never be as wealthy as some other men I meet. I may never have the glory that some other men have had. But you know one thing? I've just got to be successful for these little fellows, Dad. There are certain dreams that I cherish that I like to see come true. There are things that I've accomplished before my working time is through. But the task my heart is set on is to guide these little lads and to make myself successful as those little fellows' dad. Oh, I may never come to glory and I may never gather gold. And men may count me a failure when my business life is told. But if he who follows after shall be godly, then I'll be glad. Because I'll know I've been successful as those little fellows' dad. It's the one job that I dream of. It's the task I think most for if I fail these little fellows, I have nothing else to boast. For the wealth and fame I've gathered, all my fortune would be sad if I failed to be successful as those little fellows' dad. To try to bring this kind of to a conclusion this morning. This morning we talked a lot about spiritual basics that a godly father, the spiritual leader of the home should have. We talked about teaching your child, leading your family well, being intentional with the opportunities that God has given us and led us to spiritually. I want to remind you this morning, it's never too late, it's never too early to begin a spiritual heritage. Loving your wife as Christ loved the church is the very foundation of a godly marriage and the call of the spiritual leader in the home. What an example to your children. Men, when you love your wife as Christ loved the church, it'll make a 
world of difference in that. That makes a powerful statement in your heart and in your life to your family, to your children. To be the father God desires, it must start with a growing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't do it on your own. You can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Well, a lot of times we talk about the day is the day of salvation, and it is. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For he says, In a favorable time I will listen to you. In the day of salvation I will help you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Familiar verses says in Romans 10, 9, says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Would you come this morning and call, and heed the call God is calling on you as a spiritual leader of your family? Maybe you've never trusted Christ this morning as your Lord and as your Savior. That's the first step. We talked about the first steps first. That's the first step you need to make. Surrendering your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Allowing him to become the Savior of your life. And then begin that journey of leading your family. As I said, God is there for you. He wants to walk with you. He desires to walk with you. This morning you may be here and you profess to be saved, but you realize this morning that you've not been leading your family spiritually. You're not the spiritual leader that God has called us to be. I remind you, we have a God of grace. and He's ready to help you fill in the cracks of leading your family this morning. However God is leading this morning, however he's speaking to you and his dads, I know I've been kind of hard on you this morning, but we can't run from the call that we have. That's the call that God has given us. It's his word. His word tells us that we are that spiritual leader in our families. We are the ones that will be, are to be leading. However God is speaking this morning, would you come? Let us pray. Lord, help me to be, understand what your word shares with us as dads, as granddads, as great-granddads. That we need to be the spiritual leaders that you've called us to be. We need to be leading our families. Lord, I thank you for many of men that we have in this church that are doing that. I thank you for their sacrifice. I thank you for their testimony. But God, you'll continue to speak to our hearts to, so that we would please you and honor you. Be a part of preparing our families for the spiritual warfare that they will face. Lord, we thank you for the challenge of your word, and we pray that you would move in power, in your power and in your spirit this morning among our family. In Jesus' name, amen.